Hey kids, Mandy here, and I wanted to personally invite you to join me for Cincinnati Song Initiative's first ever Fellowship of the Song, happening May 20th through 25th. In addition to a week full of amazing concerts, song workshops, and classes, I'll be leading some seriously fun study events on heartwarming topics such as murder ballads and exploring death through music and poetry. Should be a great time! (laughs) You can participate as an auditor, whether you come to Cincinnati in person or join remotely from your comfiest couch. And the best part is that all the week's events will be recorded for unlimited viewing through June 26th. So, what are you waiting for? Head to cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash audit to learn more about this groundbreaking new program for song. And I hope to see you in person or online. Do I have a clicker? It's right there. Are you going to watch TV while we podcast? No, I'm turning the TV off so I'm not <laughs> distracted by it. I mean, maybe I should. <laughs> Welcome to Follow the Leader with me, your host, Mandy Madrid Sikich. And me, your co-host, Brian Sikich. <laughs> hey, that's you, different. You weren't, you weren't ready for that. No, I wasn't. That's that's not in the script here. <laughs> Changing things up. Last episode of season two and we're just... Uh, Getting a little willy-nilly. Yeah, we sure are. a fan of the podcast remember to rate review and subscribe wherever you listen and remember if you like what we are doing on the podcast tell your friends and if you don't then tell your enemies because as i like to say any publicity is good publicity i'm so happy to announce the winner of our second giveaway of the season so in the first half of the season we gave away a copy of what was the name of that book schubert's winter journey by ian bostridge Something like that. We gave that book out the first half. The second half of the season, I am giving out a copy of Dietrich fischer Dieskau's Book of Leader. And the winner of this giveaway is Sage F. Um, and don't worry, if you weren't a winner, next season we'll, we will be holding more giveaways. So definitely keep looking forward feel, to more good things to come. I feel like we needed so, some more pomp for the winner. You know, like... Uh, what did you have in mind? Well... I, I was thinking we could have some more like sound effects. Okay. Like there needed to be like a conf- did, confetti sound effect. Did you, did you bring said sound like, effects? Or like people cheering or have this. <laughs> and the winner is Sage F. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you're here to like just, you know, set me oh. on the right path. You know, right my wrongs. I just I just think there needed to be a little more brouhaha. What would we have done without you? <laughs> glad Glad to have brought it to her. Uh, my next line is, Brian Sikich, you are here. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Was that my is, presence not supposed to be felt until this moment? That has been uh, firmly established. Um, I'm actually super excited that you are here because oh. this is a super special episode of the podcast. Do you know why? <laughs> uh, perhaps, perchance, <laughs> might, might it be that it's the last yeah, uh-huh. Song yeah, of the cycle. It is. It's the last song of the cycle, meaning it's also the last episode of our season. Um, and, you know, we're finally wrapping things up with our boy. Was that 24? Good memory. My God, you have learned something. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You have been paying, like, kind of attention. No, I've, I've just had a countdown timer on my computer and it says, <laughs> this is the last one. That's not um, true. Yeah, so there are, 20, there are 24 songs. I think we smushed it all into 16 episodes. Mm. And to be perfectly honest, I have mixed feelings about um, finishing the season up because it's been a dream of mine to do a long-term Vintoriza project. Like, I've definitely had something of this nature on my mind um, for the past few years. And so this podcast uh, season definitely fulfilled that dream. And I'm really proud of you know, just all the work that I've done and and grateful for everyone who's been involved with the season and honestly just kind of can't believe that it's coming to an end. Uh, but on the one hand, I'm kind of sad because being a recovering perfectionist, <laughs> there's always the fear that uh, like I didn't do it right 
or I missed something or I don't know, made an idiot of myself. <laughs> so the fact that it's over means that I don't have any more chances to get it right. You know mm. what I'm saying? Well, you'll always be my special idiot. <laughs> and for that, that's I, how you feel. I have supreme <laughs> gratitude. <laughs> but what a special role I fulfill in your life. Uh, but, you know, seriously, I mean, everything that I've said and done and like put out there for this podcast, like it is what it is and I can't change it. Uh, but on the other hand, I am really excited to be done because I honestly can't wait to move on to new repertoire, right? To talk about different composers and different music. And don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Schubert. Like he is my number one. Uh, but this year-long endeavor definitely gave me uh, some perspective, uh, I guess you could say, and made me realize how excited I am for things other than Schubert. But more on that later. Yeah, I mean, it was such it was such an undertaking, and I feel like you don't know until you're in it. Um, and I also feel though it's one of those things that you'll you can look back on and and be be proud of it all and be. Um, even if you look back in a couple of years and, and say maybe your perspective or your insights or even your knowledge on it has all changed slightly or, or maybe, you know, you, you sort of have matured in certain ways too. Like this is still going to be something that you can look back on and like kind of like this is this is like a big stamp that you've made in yeah. the, the Vintarizer world, you know, like. Well, and for sure, you know, I always say that clarity follows action and just the more you do stuff, the. Yeah. Yeah the more clarifying it is on the how to move forward and what you want to do in the future. And and the part that always like, it's just really stinky is when you're in that phase of, oh, I know I just got to do this thing. And it's, it's like, yeah. this is my first time doing a long, you know, doing a really long season on a long song cycle. And uh, I learned a lot of things and I knew it had to, I know the second time I do it, it will be better. <laughs> sure, sure, guess, yeah. But but brick by brick, you know, like for it, sure, it just, for sure. Yeah. I have been building the Lido Nerd Empire brick by brick, and this is a rather large brick of that empire. <laughs> building the the uh, leader, the uh, what's it, the leader uh, starship? No, the leader. Um, what's the mothership. It? No, no, no. What's the what's the in Star Wars the big dome? The uh, oh, uh, hang on, give me a second. <sighs> the Death Star. The Death Star. <laughs> Yeah, the leader nerd Death Star. You've been building it brick by brick. Do you know what I love about that? Is that in the very first episode of oh, yeah. this season, you also brought up a Star Wars uh, We were talking about the Imperial Library. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so, yeah. I'd it's... like to check out a book. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that oh plug in God. the other one. And that's why I love to have you on the episode because you are on the, on the podcast because... You definitely uh, have a perspective that I would not have otherwise have had. <laughs> oh, well, ha happy to contribute. So, yeah, thanks. Really, thank you so much um, for being for being here for all of this. Uh, I just realized you don't have a treat for me today. I am the treat. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. No, that's that's. Listen, um, me being able to scrape myself up off the floor and like put any sort of cohesive sure um um christmas uh situation together that 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 that's the treat that's the treat <laughs> that's okay the treat. normally it's in the form of like a burrito <laughs> or what else what else I, what yeah, other i know treats? i know um, like a, a nice latte i know that me um just like functioning as an average human might not seem like that much of a treat but uh, trust you the alternative would be way worse so i think you should consider yourself lucky well, with that perspective <laughs> yeah i'm i'm feeling very blessed right now oh man so of course today we are wrapping things up by chatting about delayaman the last song of the cycle but also, I wanted to let listeners know to stay tuned for a very special chat at the end of this episode with Samuel Martin, the founding artistic director of Cincinnati Song Initiative. Yo, B, you ready to wrap this thing up? Like a giant Christmas present. <laughs> let's get after it. Well, for the last time this season, let's start things off with a translation of the text. Der Leiermann. The hurdy-gurdy man. There, beyond the village, stands a hurdy-gurdy player. And with numb fingers, he drones the best he can. Barefoot on the ice, 
sways he to and fro, and his little plate remains for him always empty. No one wants to hear him, no one looks at him, and the dogs snarl around the old man. And he lets it happen, everything as it will. He plays his hurdy-gurdy. It stands for him, never still. Strange old man, shall I go with you? Will you to my songs your hurdy-gurdy play? This is not full of Christmas cheer. <laughs> this is not the, the timing of this in the season. <laughs> it's not full of Christmas cheer. You're right. You know, when I originally started out the cycle, I was like, this is going to be perfect. It's going to end in December around Christmas time where it's nice and wintry. And, and this one's really... And he's just barefoot on the ice. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, just, a, it's a bit of a oh. downer. Um, so also, I mean, you might be asking yourself, hurdy gurdy, what the heck is that? It's like a really silly sounding name, right? And hurdy gurdy. <laughs> just like that. Isn't that from up at Christmas Carol or we something? We said that in literally the very last episode. Oh, shoot. <laughs> when that one, I forget the line that it was. Um, oh, we did say that in the last episode. But. In any case, fantastic sounding. Yeah, uh, and a little bit more on that, right? Uh, it, it is a silly name, um, but once we get past the fact that Hurdy Gurdy is just silly sounding, we might find ourselves asking a few questions. Who is he, though? What is he? Why is he there? Is he really there? And those are all great questions that we'll get to. But I think the first question we have to answer, of course, is... What is a hurdy-gurdy? It's an instrument. It is, yeah. Like, do you, like, have in your mind a very specific idea of what it is? Well, isn't there a hurdy-gurdy in Polar Express that the uh, the hobo's playing on the... I honestly cannot believe that you put that together. <laughs> no, no, uh, that sounded way I like... I love to astound you from time to time. He's on top of the train yeah. as it's going through. How did you know that that was a hurdy-gurdy? Because we've talked about it before, probably. Oh, because I told you it was. No, well, so I know that he's playing it, but in my mind, it's either like, uh, it's like a little, it's a, got a little handle that you rotate and then you like play notes on it or whatever. Now you are astounding me. Uh, <laughs> I'm basically like a walking Wikipedia. Okay, yeah. So here, let me show you two pictures, okay? Here is the first picture. Yeah. Okay. That okay. was that was what was in your mind? Uh sort of. It wasn't quite as boxy. So can you describe this one? Uh yeah, it sort of looks like kind of like an old school accordion without the like the two halves. He's he's kind of holding the keys away from him and it has a sound box with like three holes on it. Uh and I can sort of see a little bit of a handle down there to the right. Mm -hmm. Um but I don't know. I can't really tell what like the key mechanism in it looks right, like there's because, a couple strings because it's more box shaped and right. like part of the box is covering what you could really i guess in my mind i was thinking a little more like accordion-ish right it doesn't move like an accordion at all Correct. it's not uh it does not produce sound by air moving through anything at all so then what is the handle for right we'll get into that let me show you the second picture so here's a second picture because hurdy-gurdies can look ah, quite yes. different this one looks a little bit more like a guitar shaped sound box with mm -hmm. with the the guitar like stem and the the stringing kind of similar to the with like all the different frets on totally, it totally yeah um it doesn't actually have frets though well it has black and white things all the way up and down and i understand those aren't frets but it just those are vi keys. visually yeah. it looks like frets yeah i see i see what you're saying thank you those underneath me. the string well we'll get into it uh, before oh, i correct you we'll, we'll get into it <laughs> let me just tell you a few facts let me be shocked that you know something and then break you down <laughs> I'm ready. I'm here for okay, it. Okay, here we go. So, the earliest hurdy-gurdies were invented around a thousand years ago, and they were originally meant for two people to play. So, they were sometimes six feet long or longer, and one person would crank a handle at one end, and the other person would play the keys. So, the hurdy-gurdies that we are familiar with, like the one that you're thinking of in Polar Express, uh, it's actually a more portable version of right. the instrument, okay? Like, you, you can literally just tuck it under your arm. You 
sort just of pick a thing. it up and yeah. like, yeah, and yeah. like we walk around with it. It's just like one person plays the hurdy gurdy now. Um, and actually, I'll include a link to a YouTube, a couple of YouTube videos that explain how hurdy gurdies work um, in the show notes because uh, I found them to be super informative, really interesting, and also um, like just hosted by complete nerds, which, which I love. <laughs> because I too am a nerd. Um, But here's a brief synopsis. They are surprisingly complex with over 80 moving parts. Okay, so what's happening is that the hurdy-gurdies that we typically know now, they're similar to like a violin or like small guitar in shape, right? Um, And on the right side, there's a crank that turns a wheel, which essentially functions as a circular bow. So the wheel turns and plays some drone strings, like a drone string or two or three, depending on the time period and just the make of the of the hurdy-gurdy. And so those strings can also like be turned on and off by like kind of moving a lever. So a little silencer. So right, you can decide which ones you want it to drone or not. Um, And then there are other strings that are the melody strings. And the melody strings are played by using keys that are attached to stopping rods. So those things that you saw that looked like frets underneath the strings, those are actually different rows that have rods on them. So when you press the key, the rod goes up and stops the string uh, uh, so it'll so stop it the string at different pitches different pitches exactly uh-huh. okay um and there's different tunings for um hurdy-gurdies too just kind of depending on on what you like on what you fancy on what you need it to play for uh, because you can't change the pitch of the drone strings right ah. those those just play the pitch that they are and that's it um so here's a good example of what a hurdy-gurdy sounds like Ooh, I'm, I'm excited for yeah. this. That's like exactly what I was, was imagining it? you were going to play. Really? Something just very folksy and yeah, very, yeah, you yeah. know, like... Um, here's... So when I was like listening to the Hurdy Gurdy, I think because I first encountered the Hurdy Gurdy really... Uh, as part of Winterreise, and so I always had like really dark, like ominous, somber kind of music. Mm. So I did. I do also have an example of that for you. your head around so you can see what this looks like too because i think that you might find that kind of oh sorry kind of interesting oh here we go oh so he does have a keypad wait say that again so he has a keypad in his left hand that then he like goes through and and those are all the stoppers yeah gotcha so he's playing the keys with his left i still want to know what the the rotating is doing yeah so the rotating is turning the circular is turning this wheel and this wheel is essentially serving the the same purpose at well it's it's playing everything so this is never ending like like a violin bow imagine a violin bow that never stops uh, sure sure so that's what's create that's what that's oh, what makes this, the string this vibrate. wheel is moving yes so uh i see, I see. oh i couldn't see it moving before now i see it. gotcha yeah cool that's very fascinating right this uh that second sample had a uh a much more polished sound to it as well yeah <laughs> Well, actually, the first example I played you is um, a guy who plays for the orchestra, The Age of Enlightenment, which is like a lot of like old timey, like um, what's it called? Like period instruments. Mm. So like instruments that actually from the time period. Um, And now this is an interesting fact. Originally, the hurdy-gurdy was used in churches to help singers stay in tune. It was essentially the predecessor to the organ. You can hear how it kind of like has a similar kind of sound, just much smaller. (laughs) 
Around 1400, it fell out of popularity and became known as the instrument of the lower classes. It experienced a brief revival in the 18th century when rustic diversions suddenly became fashionable for the aristocrats and the other elite. Essentially, it'd be like, oh, how charming this old-timey instrument. You know, it's very rustic. Let's all gather in my salon and we'll play. Let's see what it feels like to be a peasant for a few hours. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly that kind of thing. So remember how I showed you two different pictures, right? Two Mm -hmm. different models. So those differences in the make and style of the hurdy-gurdy are due to their origination from the two different time periods. So the first more box-like style was from the medieval time period. uh, And the second one was more like from the 18th century when they experienced the revival. And actually, here's another example from the Napoleonic time period. Ooh, yeah. Much more like sophisticated. Like you can tell that the the actual craft craftsmanship as well. It went from like box to like fancier shape to now like ornate. It's very fancy, very fancy. So you could see how oh, the wheels wealthy, like yeah, this would belong to a wealthy person. What did you say about that? An wheels? aristocrat, if you will. Yes, this would belong to a wealthy person for sure. So and now that we know truly what a hurdy gurdy is and that we understand its history and how it functions, um, did you remember that the cycle ended like this? Like specifically with this poem and this song? I believe so. I'm familiar with it, yes. Okay, so you did remember. You knew what was coming this season. You kind of knew what was coming all along. Uh, more, more or less, yeah. So I'm not sure what I expected the first time I heard Winterreise, but I'm sure that meeting an outcast beggar musician who sways to and fro while standing barefoot on the ice was definitely not what I anticipated. This ending is so unexpected, and that's just what I love about it so very much. It's like when you watch a movie and you think, oh, I know where this is going, or I, you know, you can you can kind of anticipate essentially how it's going to end. And then the movie just blows your mind with something com- like wildly different than what you expected. And, and you love it that much more because of that. That's essentially the same thing going on here, but in art song form, right? So the song begins and we hear this figure. The grace note is like the starting up of the wheel. Susan Ewens points out that the hurdy-gurdy can sound slightly under pitch when it first starts up with that crank, right? Before the droning becomes constant and regular. So we hear the starting up of the wheel, but also, and now here's the coolest part, we also hear the drone that continues throughout the entirety of the song. It never changes. And recently, I've come to wonder if perhaps the constancy of the drone is meant to contrast with the fickleness of his lost love. In the Lyreman, in the hurdy-gurdy man here, he has found a steadfast, never-changing companion. Now, the piano plays this little melody after hearing kind of the, the cranking of the drone twice. We hear this melody, and nearly everything melodic that is about to happen is derived from this little kernel. Okay, so that one little bit, here's another manifestation of it. Here's a third manifestation of it. It's so haunty. It really is. It's spooky. So, but it's like, but it's like cold spooky. Like you can hear the ice. You can hear mm-hmm. the what's the word? Morbidity in it. Like you can hear mm-hmm. the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so so um, eerie, and I love it. It is eerie is a great word, and it's not just the piano part that's like that. The vocal part is similarly derived and parallels the piano part very closely. Here's some um, vocal samples. Drüben hinterm Dorfe steht ein Leihemann. 
And another. Barfuß auf dem Eise wankt er hin und her. And a third one. Und sein kleine Telle bleibt ihm immer leer. Sounds so good. Right? These phrases have the effect of going around in a circle, like the wheel that's being cranked by the hurdy-gurdy player. And the range is very limited, as it would be on the hurdy-gurdy. Um, they don't have a, a very wide range of pitches. And also, as it would be if it was played by some poor beggar, right? Not an incredibly skilled musician. Um, Graham Johnson sh suggests that perhaps this beggar does have some musical skill, but has undergone some sort of personal disaster, such as alcoholism or other sickness. I personally think that that might be a, maybe too literal of an interpretation for mm -hmm. him. I'm not sure the Lyreman, like, is truly there whether it's a figment of, of the wanderer's imagination or whether there is someone there, but then his mind kind of makes, makes it up or perhaps he's crossed through the veil between life and death. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think this, this liar man has a backstory. Mm. But what I do know is that everything is sparse and bare. Even the liar man's feet And I've always found that to be like the most ominous fact of all, that perhaps that's the clue that something is very wrong here, right? You, you've seen plenty of homeless people, you know, out playing instruments, like with their hat upside down, like, you know, asking for money, that sort of thing. But here, this guy is standing on the ice barefoot and... It seems as though he's always been there and is always going to be there. And that simply isn't sustainable for a hu a, a, the human body, right? Yeah, there's like an absence of a need to take care of oneself. To me, it, it also seems like he's perhaps more of a specter. A go I, don't, I don't know. Just If this guy is just chilling on the ice, unaffected by the cold, then I know I have perhaps left the land of reality. The Traveler notes that No one pays attention to the hurdy-gurdy man except perhaps the dogs that snarl at him. He points out the emptiness of the bowl before him. Perhaps it twists knife-like in the gut a bit, the emptiness of the bowl highlighting the emptiness of the world for our traveler, the emptiness of his heart. In the last stanza, the wanderer asks, Strange old man, Shall I go with you? Will you to my songs your hurdy-gurdy play? Now, this is only the second time in the cycle where he queries someone, where he asks a question. The first time having been when he asked the crow about his intentions. Do you remember that? I don't think I do. So, in Decrea, um, let's look up the actual line. Is the crow just chilling in a tree? Is this as he's like leaving the town? You remember he he notices that the crow has been flying around since he's left the town. And he asks the crow, he says, crow, you strange creature. He uses that same word in German. It's wunderliches. He says, will you not leave me? Would, do you intend to see to take my body as prey? Um, and I find that interesting that In both instances, he describes them as wunderliches, as peculiar or strange. Um, there's some sort of um, like parallel like, aspect about them that he's grasping onto, that he perceives, that the two things that he perceives as his companions, he perceives them both as strange, as peculiar. And actually, another strange coincidence between these two songs and these two characters is that these are the two Winterreise tattoos that I have, which I didn't like do that on purpose. Like, I, oh, like this correlation between these two songs. So this is why I'm going to do this. Like, well, you have a Hurdy Gurdy tattooed on you? I do. Did you not know that? I know you have the crow. <laughs> Where's the Hurdy Gurdy? Yeah, this guy. This huge piece on my leg, uh -huh. he, he's the Lyreman. Oh. Look, he's cranking with his right arm. Yeah. And he's playing the keys with his left. I just thought he was playing a guitar. I'm no. And that's a moon Who holds a guitar him? like that? That's a big moon. 
Yeah, so um, maybe I should like post a picture. Yeah, of this. you should. <clears throat> this seems kind of weird haven't to really post like, like a picture of my body online. <laughs> just, just a skin <laughs> like shot a part of my body. But yeah, so I got this Lyramon tattoo. Tattoo. I got this Lyramon <laughs> tattoo when I um, was getting ready to leave London, and I definitely got it when I was feeling very dark and morbid. And mm. and uh, <clears throat> to me, the correlation was because you see in this tattoo, it's. The Lyreman is in the foreground, and he's very ghostly in this one. Um, he doesn't even really have a full body, um, so I he's like dripping. I didn't off do almost. the barefoot yeah. on the ice thing, but yeah, his body's like kind of dripping off, and he has a hurdy gurdy. And, and then, then there's, there's like, the traveler with a shadow. Yeah, there's yeah. A, the traveler. You can see the wanderer in the distance yeah. with his shadow, and then the moon behind casting the shadow, and then like leaves swirling around into like a dead tree. Um, and I got this because I. I felt very similar to the traveler that like there, I felt very much alone and uh, I felt a kind of kinship with him that he was kind of being forced out um, of like, of, from society and I kind of felt the same way it was like, oh my god this is so dramatic it was over the top it was around the time like I got rid of my Facebook too like oh god oh, yeah, me. Yeah. I am also exiting society <laughs> but that was like my dramatic I was, exit I was like trying to disappear right es essentially I was trying to disappear yeah. and um and I just felt a, a a very strong kinship with the the wanderer when he particularly when he meets the hurdy-gurdy man hmm. um so yeah and then I have of course the crow so. I also love that he's he's asking the the hurdy gurdy player like, "Will you play your songs for me?" Not knowing that all of these songs have been played for him, he, like he's asking for a soundtrack, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he has a soundtrack. It's Vintrezo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that the two of them partner up. They make a sick album label. <laughs> they make millions. Uh, and they're still both just crazy and they still want her, but then at least like financially they're set. Financially they're set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before we take a listen to the full song, I just want to read for one last time from Retracing a Winter's Journey, Schubert's Winterreise by Susan Ewins. Um, uh, this is what she has to say. This music is the symbol for what the wanderer fears and foretells his future to be. Sounding nothingness. And horrifyingly, it has the potential to go on and on beyond bearing. And I just think that perhaps he sees himself, the wanderer does, or he is fearful that this is a manifestation of his future self, that all that is left for him after his wanderings and his, you know, psychological torment, all that's left for him is to totter barefoot on the ice, shunned by humanity, playing songs that no one will hear. Wow. Yeah. What a powerful image for him to like come to the end of this and then like see, see himself reflected in that way. The thing that's so tantalizing about this song is like that could be one like interpretation of it and it could be something totally different. Mm. Before we get into that more though, let's go ahead and take a listen, okay? Yeah. Here to sing Der Lyermann Forest is Dr. Tyler Reese. Is his middle name Anthony? Michael Anthony. Dr. Tyler Michael Anthony Reese. Correct. Love that. <laughs> I know. It's like the best name ever. Four names. Yeah. It's truly epic. With a doctor now at the beginning. It's I like know. Five. I know. He's too cool for me. Why is he still my friend? Okay. Here we go.
Meine Teller bleibt ihm immer leer. Und sein kleiner Teller bleibt ihm immer leer. Keine mag ihn hören, keine sieht ihn an. Und die Hunde knurren um den alten Mann. Es gehen alles, wie es will. Dreht und seine Leihe steht im Nimmer still. Dreht und seine Steht im Nimmer Wunderlicher Alter, soll ich mit dir gehen? Willst du It is so incredible that a song with such a static, droning harmony can be so compelling. Essentially, nothing is happening harmonically. Yet this is the culmination of everything the traveler has endured. And the climax is the most spine-tingling of all. Yet it's nearly impossible to say exactly what has happened. We've been waiting for 23 songs for him to reach some sort of goal, fulfill some sort of destiny. And yet, what has happened to him? Can you truly say what's going on right now? Like, where have we left him? No. No. And that's what is so enticing about this to me. It leaves me, it leaves me with more questions than answers. Is it death? Is it insanity? I think for a while, when I first learned this cycle, I kind of went with the whole insanity you know a lot of times you see these homeless people out and the reason they're out there is because they've lost their minds right which is a, a real tragedy but that is that's the fact of the matter is a lot of times they're out there because of some kind of mental thing that's happened and in my mind his psychological anguish and torment kind of broke him to the point where he he lost his mind but Recently, I think mortality has been heavy on my mind, so I've been leaning more that way. To me, as I approach this now, I, I definitely feel this like thinning of the veil between life and death, and it never appears thinner than when reading this poem or hearing this song. I think also it perplexes me the way that death perplexes me, the moment separating one from being and then not being separating us from living and then not living. It, it's just the most enigmatic of all mysteries and the most confounding aspect of our humanity. In this haunting finale, we momentarily get to peek at someone just beyond the veil, 
but the figure offers no answers and speaks no comfort. The classic cliffhanger. <laughs> I mean, is, what though. an incredible cliffhanger ending. Like, it's so deep, it's so profound, and it leaves you with no, like... There's no it, conclusion. It puts it back on you, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. The words alone stand as an incredible work of art. And then, to me, when you put the music with it, it just brings this deeper layer of um, perspective that... I, f- I find absolutely addicting. I'm, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to this cycle, you could say. One could say. <laughs> Did you have any thoughts like listening through it now after having been part of this entire year and really getting like the nitty gritty, you know, details of so many of these songs did it did it hit you in any sort of different way or did you have any new thoughts that you hadn't had before? I think part of me is now intrigued to like go back and actually sit through a performance Mm, mm -hmm. um you know because uh, i can arrange that (laughs) a private sitting if you will do you have a like a leaning like one way or another like where what do you think happened to him do you have any idea i have a hunch that like my that that he still has a like a tangible physical presence Mm, mm -hmm. i'm maybe in the in the camp where maybe he uh, is right on the verge of of slipping into insanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, f- I feel like that. Yeah, that kind of makes sense for me a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, because we've we've already seen so many flashes of of like like the premonition of of this happening. You know, yeah. I don't know if this last song gives enough evidence to where like he actually doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't think we'll ever know. I mean, I I guess. That's it. I think I think we're done. Hurrah! The <laughs> final hurrah. I'm so incredibly grateful for your presence throughout the season, <laughs> for your questionable jokes here and there, <laughs> and for your always a surprising perspective. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just I don't think I would have had as much fun with anyone else. <laughs> Do you have any last words for our listeners, to our beloved listeners? oh man it's been a wild and wacky ride kids but the fun is not over quite yet so stay tuned for a fun little chat with sam martin the artistic director of cincinnati song initiative (laughs) cincinnati song initiative waveforms still absolutely bonkers I'm yeah they are pretty big turn it down just a little bit more perhaps the game right just the game yeah mm-hmm, yeah can you hear me okay here i can uh now yours matches mine a little bit more do you see that yeah i see i really want yeah. to just grow up and be like you oh cool i mean i don't recommend it that's not a <laughs> not a thing i recommend but here we are. <laughs> do not attempt this at home yeah uh so samuel martin you're here on my podcast. We've <laughs> been here. It's been such a wonderful uh, year listening to you and all your other guests just jabber on. Oh, my God. Jabber, we do. Well, so I just wanted to take, you know, a little bit of time because I've talked. Actually, I think the very first episode of Guten, of the Winterreise season of season two, I think the very first episode I had produced before we met, right? I think that's right. One or two episodes, probably just the first. Okay. And then we met online and I became kind of part of CSI and I want to get into all of that. But I just think that that it's really cool to have met you during the year. It kind of like happened literally during this season of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now here we are like almost a year later. And I wanted to give my listeners a chance to get to know you, to get to know CSI and, uh, and to maybe understand a little bit more about, um, you know, why my podcast is a part of your network. So maybe we could start out by you telling us who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are you? <clears throat> I am Sam Martin, and I started the Cincinnati Song Initiative um, in 2016, which is a we're a concert series here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, we are our, our flagship thing that we do is we produce these themed song concerts um, that take uh, 
uh, multiple concerts to complete. So we get to produce these sort of themed long-term large-scale projects um, and get through a lot of incredible repertoire, all while sort of bringing the audience along and enticing them and educating them. And they get invested <clears throat> when they're coming to follow, um, you know, three concerts of Lacey's repertoire or five concerts of Spanish song, you know, it, 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 it distinguishes itself amongst your typical sort of chamber music society or whatever, where you have isolated independent concerts, we, you know, of, by, for starters, we're solely dedicated to songs. So right there, you're, you're focusing in on something. And then within that, we're doing um, large scale projects that take multiple concerts to complete. So it, it develops this overarching sense of education and engagement amongst both performers and audience members. So that's, that was my super inspiration to get this started. Um, I'm, I'm in Cincinnati because I was here for grad school at uh, the College Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati, which is a historically famous school for developing and training incredible singers. Um, and so there's a lot of really fantastic talent right in our backyard here. And I am a pianist and I studied with an incredibly fantastic uh, collaborative piano professor here, Ken Griffiths, who was one of my leading inspirations. He um, helped foster this real passion for song and programming and repertoire. Um, so all that sort of is was the groundwork that sort of inspired me to want to start a concert series. I, and then on top of that, I also had this sort of entrepreneurial administrative itch to me. I wanted to build a website. I wanted to produce events. I wanted to um, get multiple people together, artists and administrators, co to collectively build ownership and buy-in of something to help sort of create this out of nothing. So that's how we started seven years ago. Um, within the last year, we've started a podcast network, um, thanks to you and uh, <laughs> Ellen and Tony Marie, um, who have started the So Lit Song Lit podcast, which we're also producing. It's, it's uh, about halfway through its very first season. CSI started its first podcast, Song Cycle, with um, our former associate artistic director, Laura Lavoir. She was fantastic. This was her idea. And then we got connected to you earlier in 2022 and things moved pretty quickly and we were delighted. I mean, I think you left her a voicemail or something, Mandy. And Right. So I listened, I started listening to the Song Cycle podcast uh, the year before. So that was like, what, 2021, I started listening to Song Cycle. And I just loved how, you know, as with uh, art song, it was wonderfully intimate, right? Mm -hmm. And I kind of almost felt like I was there in, in the room listening to this conversation happen. And so it seemed uh, very easy to just reach out and send in a voicemail. And I remember there was one particular episode that um, Laura did. I can't remember who the guest was, but just kind of talking about how um, easy it is to burn out and and that kind of thing, uh, particularly in this, uh, I don't know, do we call it an industry? Um, I, I'm not making much money off of it, so I don't know if I can call it that, but you know what I mean. Um, and yeah, how burnout like happens. And, uh, and I just remember feeling like so compelled to reach out and say like, Hey, <laughs> I yeah. see you. I see what's going on. Um, and it's like, you're, this needs to be talked about more. Right. So I just reached out to her. I don't think I, I mean, I knew you existed. I knew you existed because I'd heard an episode with you in it. <laughs> yeah. Let's just stop it there. I don't need to have any more prominence in this story. Like I just, <laughs> I exist, but like I'm in the background floating. I think I've always felt like a, uh, there's a kindred element just from, you know, being pianists and, mm -hmm. um, within you know within this field i think there's a lot to uh both uh celebrate together and commiserate over 100 100 percent. we could talk about that for hours but so laura i think played me your voicemail and we were both like this person is amazing also <laughs> all we have is a voicemail from them and their voice is perfect oh my god <laughs> one thing led to another and it became um a, a very sort of fast moving dream of mine to basically create a network because art song, it, you can look at it two ways, right? Art song is a pretty, you know, for all intents and purposes, niche thing, right? Mm. It's classical music is niche in the world of all the different musical genres. And then within that art song is, you know, 
pretty niche. Correct. So, so from that perspective, you could ask the question, how could an art song organization sustain support and make hay out of multiple podcasts, let alone, you know, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, from, from my perspective and, and the uh, guiding light that made me think that it actually was a good idea is here we had Song Cycle, which was CSI's original podcast. We had Follow the Leader, which was an incredibly well built out, thought out, thoughtfully researched, like professional production run by an individual. Um, and uh, very quickly... Um, after talking to you, uh, a friend and colleague, Ellen Rissinger, who's performed with CSI before, came to me with another podcast episode to to um, overview and uncover underperformed and underprogrammed repertoire. Mm-hmm. And th- th- all three of these podcasts were revolving around the topic of song, but naturally and coincidentally all had extremely sort of specific goals and, mm-hmm. and the whole points of them. And so from my perspective, we had sort of these three separate entities floating around that we were kind of connected to. Why not bring them under one umbrella, produce them all as Cincinnati Song Initiative, hopefully, um, you know, sort of that better together ideology, right? Like we can sort of push them and get them out there more collectively and reach more people by bringing them under this one umbrella under the support of this organization. And luckily you were up for it, Ellen and Tony Marie, um, came to me wanting that. And so it, it all fell into place very beautifully. And so within really less than a year, we went from CSI having one podcast to now we have this family. Yeah, um, it's so, so great. It's super excited. Uh, and just uh, in case my listeners are curious, which I know they will be, because if they're listening to this art song podcast, then they'll probably enjoy listening to others. <laughs> so Song Cycle, um, can you tell us what's in the future for Song Cycle? Right. Well, yes. Or just give us a hint. Give us some hints. Sure, sure. So there's two seasons. Um, there's two seasons in existence. Mm-hmm. And it was conceived as this playground for conversations with experts in the field. We have interviews f- from Laura with Margot Garrett, Will Liverman, Devon Tynes, um, Karen Slack. I mean, all these incredible artists who have pretty multifaceted careers, but uh in some way or another, have a very, very specific and emotional and and significant tie to song. They're mm-hmm. fantastic recitalists, they're composers, whatever, of song. Um, so there's two seasons in existence of that. And um, I'm excited to say that pretty much after a year of, of uh, not having any song cycle episodes as we've built out this Follow the Leader and, this, and the Solit Songlit podcasts, um, we'll be returning in the new year with Song Cycle season three, and um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the the guy in the chair droning, droning on. <laughs> it's gonna be so great! I'm so excited. Boring people to death. Uh, it's not gonna be boring at all. It can't be. It can't be. There's no way. So, it's the, so we're, we're with the return of Song Cycle. We complete our trifecta. The podcast network is complete. And art song shall take over the world. <laughs> it shall indeed. <laughs> I know um, I've had a few of my listeners ask about uh, Follow the Leader. You know, once we finish up Vinterreise, what's going to happen? Is there going to be mo- more Follow the Leader? And I'm happy Maybe. to say I too that, like to yes, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> there is going to be a season three of Follow the Leader. Um, I have some really cool things in store. Uh, we're going to take January off, and uh, Follow the Leader will be back in February. I can't remember. Did we decide we were releasing on the second Thursday? Something like that. Yeah, we're doing the second Thursday, because mm-hmm. and Song Cycle is going to be the fourth Thursday. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when does Solit get released? Solit, I think, comes back in uh, mid or end of January. Oh, got it. Okay. They're off now. So they basically have a month off and they're coming back so in January. Did they finish a season or are they taking like a mid-season break? They're taking a mid-season break. They are halfway through season one. They're, so lit, song lit is bite-sized sort of 10 to 20 minute long episodes. And so they have actually 20 episodes in a season and they're 10, 10 of the way through and they're taking a little mid-season break and they'll be back in January with the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it really is so cool to hear little excerpts uh, in their podcasts of like repertoire. I actually don't even know if there's been one song that I had previously been aware of. Yeah. Um, when I hear, 
I, I haven't listened to all of their episodes, but I've listened to a number of them, and I, it's always really cool to hear new stuff. It, it's really quite astounding. I, I've known a couple of the songs, just coincidentally, because Ellen and Tony Marie curated this all themselves. But what's special about Solit is um, they... The, like you said, they they provide snippets of of recordings, which is so mm. hard to come by for a lot of underrepresented and underprogrammed right. repertoire. Right? right, nobody's recorded it, or there's really terrible recordings out there. So how are you supposed to determine whether you want to mm-hmm. do these songs? Secondly, they do painstaking research to get links to purchase the scores, so all mm. of these scores somehow or another are um, able to be gotten. Uh, So they do all this legwork for us, all with the goal of sort of um, increasing and broadening the standard repertoire. They they do all this work for us. What what, what we would have done, you know, as undergrads in the college music library. And I can't remember the last time I had that kind of energy to do any of that sort of, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Oh God, so too real. They've given real. us quite a gift and it's yes. good song. It's yeah. it's song that you're like, how ha- how how is how has this not been part of the standard canon? You know? Like, absolutely. Um actually I discovered that a little bit too when we did the little bonus episode this uh year with the uh, Berg. We did um mm-hmm. uh, that went along with your uh what was the, the name Rooker, of that series? the Rooker yeah. concert. Yeah, the Bellatrix, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um it was so astounding to um, come across like a number of these Baird pieces that had just very been recorded in a very limited uh, amount. And so uh, that is one thing I actually do want to return to in this next season of Follow the Leader is I, I would like to do another one or two more of those Berg that um, haven't been cool. recorded very much. We also, I'm very excited. Um, I have a friend that I met through my Leader Nerd Instagram who she was writing a musical about Marian Anderson, um, oh, the great cool. leader singer. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going to interview her. I'm going to have her on the podcast. And I'll probably do some of my own recordings of songs that um, Marion sang regularly, but the the podcast will focus on her life and her um, career and and all that. Uh, I don't own the rights to any of her performances, <laughs> therefore we will be doing our own. But I'm really excited about that. Um, and yeah, there's other cool things. And so I've had like some people do some requests for, you know, some Strauss and, and all that. And uh, just there's so much to cover. We are going to be going down to one episode per month, um, which will just allow us to have a little bit more time for research and production quality. And uh, don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved doing Vinterreise this year, but it was hard. Uh, producing two episodes per month on top of, you know, uh, just life and having a a film editing career and all that. It was quite a lot. I'm so proud of the work that um, has been done for sure. And I'm so happy to have been able to do it as part of the CSI family. Um, but I am also looking forward to just some changes in, in mm-hmm. the schedule and, and the topics that we'll cover. It'll be, it'll be fun to do something a little different for sure. <laughs> yep. yep. I, I can't wait for what you come up with next. And I, you know, my, from my perspective, the once a month, it's going to be my favorite Thursday to look forward to every <laughs> Every month, once a month, you just leave everybody wanting a little bit more and then it's going to be so sweet when that episode drops. Well, Sam, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, what's in store um, for the rest of the season with CSI and how my listeners can engage with the Cincinnati Song Initiative. Totally. Um, we are approaching and in, in the final month long stretch of preparations for CSI's annual winter song festival. This is our fourth one coming up on January 14th and 15th, 2023. What the winter song festival is, is it's a weekend of two events and it's designed to sort of revolutionize and challenge the song concert as we know it. So even amongst all of our other main stage concerts, which are all designed to sort of present song in a very accessible um, educational, engaging way. This, the Winter Song Festival is designed to push those boundaries even further. And so, uh, this coming season, uh, this 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 year, this season's Winter Song Festival features another Cincinnati Song Slam, which we've been doing since the inception of the Winter Song Festival. 
that is a uh, competition for brand new song. It's it's uh, conceived by the organization Sparks and Why We Cries out of New York. And now the Song Slam happens uh, all over the world from different organizations that produce it. It's a competition to feature brand new songs that get written uh, by teams who enter each competition, each Song Slam, and the audience gets to vote for their favorite songs. So it's a really, really cool event that brings a ton of people in. It's a completely and unashamedly partisan event. So if you can, you know, just bring the most friends and family members to vote for you, then you're going to win some of those cash prizes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's more, it's more an opportunity and a celebration of new music and getting new songs out there into the into the world and the competition mm-hmm. aspect of it is sort of just this fun uh, thing that helps bring in an audience and also just uh, ha- helps everybody have a little bit of a horse in the race. Um, so we'll be doing that on the Saturday night, January 14th. And then the next day we have an incredible lecture recital called narrative of a slave woman. It is a, a program that's been performed around the world by Latoya Lane and Casey Robards. And what it is, is it is a concert completely dedicated to spirituals, whereas opposed to we often hear a set of spirituals at the end of a concert sort of as a button or mm. um, uh, with without much context or explanation. This program is completely dedicated to it. And there's spoken, um, there's spoken material during it to completely educate and enlighten the audience on the historical significance of spirituals, the words that are in them, the historical context of them. Um, so, so many lyrics of spirituals had very, very specific meanings. Some were coded messages, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot to learn on this front. And so in addition to hearing all this beautiful, amazing music, uh, we're going to get a real deep dive into uh, some some more backstory to these pieces. So those are the two events in our Winter Song Festival. Uh, then in March, we're teaming up with a local organization, Queen City Cabaret, here in Cincinnati to produce a Great American Songbook concert, which is going to be rip-roaring good fun. And then in May, we have an all-American program, uh, mostly of women composers, Lori Laitman, Judith Cloud, Melissa Dumphy, and um, all of Ricky Ian Gordon's Genius Child will be featured. And that is with... Um, my good friends, Katie Lemus uh, and Jasmine Habersham Bailey, and I will be playing for both of them. And I am so lucky and so excited. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> Listeners can uh, watch these. Can we, can they tune in like live stream or right. are they recorded? So, How does that work? Right. So the concerts occur live in Cincinnati and they're mm-hmm. all, um, uh, professionally recorded, and we have a digital library on the platform CSI Digital, which people can subscribe to and be members of. Um, it's very, very easy, and you can learn all about it and everything else that's on CSI Digital at CincinnatiSongInitiative.org slash digital. Um, we've got a lot of great content on there, mostly that was conceived and created during COVID when we were relegated to our homes. So out of that came this beautiful platform that now connects so many people through song. We've got webinars, composer interviews, concerts, all sorts of stuff. It's so great. I just, I love everything that you're doing uh, at CSI and it's so cool for this podcast to be a part of it. I'm so grateful that you are around, that you are dedicated to um, this genre that I love so very much and, and helping audiences encounter it in new ways, which I just think is the coolest. Thank you. And it's so rewarding and special for me and the team at CSI to also meet people like you, Mandy, who are so passionate about it as well. And we're we're so delighted to somehow be connected. (laughs) And I'm still flabbergasted by the fact that the first time we met in person, first of all, it's impressive that we did meet within the year of uh, the same year that we met uh, virtually, you being in California, being in Ohio. The place we met listeners, of course, was not anywhere in America, but it was in London, England, as we were both headed over there at the same time. Uh, for Oxford Leader Festival and Mandy to do all sorts of other stuff. And I mean, of course, we saw each other across the Atlantic at a leader festival. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's just like so wild. Oh, man. I, and I loved like being able to uh, guide you like onto the trains. <laughs> I was a helpless baby. <laughs> <laughs> you baby. <laughs> it, was, it was so it was such a perfect 
in person. It really meeting. was. Yeah, it really was. Sam, I just can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you for giving me your very precious time on a Monday. Well, I guess for me, it's Monday morning, but for you, it's Monday afternoon. <laughs> I can't thank you enough um, for introducing yourself to our listeners and yeah, for having Follow the Leader as part of your family. Thank you for having me here, Mandy. Congratulations on <laughs> making it through Venturiza. Congratulations. Congratulations, <laughs> listeners, on making it through Venturiza. This was epic. CSI was honored to, to, to be with you all along the way for it. And we can't wait to see what's next. And I hope that you'll uh, check out So Lit, Song Lit, and Song Cycle in addition to Follow the Leader, all part of the CSI Podcast Network. You are a star, Mandy. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God, you're making me blush. <laughs> all right, Sam, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, kids, that's it for season two. If you still just haven't had enough Vinterreise in your life, then you might want to try singing Der Leiermann with me. You can find me on YouTube as Mandy Madrid Sikic. Click on the Vinterreise playlist and start singing. Don't be too sad about season two coming to a close because we have some awesome things in store for you in season three, coming to a podcast platform near you in February of 2023. Follow the Leader is a production of Cincinnati Song Initiative. You can learn more about their network of podcasts at cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at leadernerd. That's at L-I-E-D-E-R-N-E-R-D. See you later, nerds! No, 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 no. We gotta, we gotta make it official. Rap Airport. Here we go. It's so good. If you love this podcast, then you'll love the Song Cycle podcast, also by Cincinnati Song Initiative. Song Cycle introduces the coolest and awesomest leaders of the song world today and dives into getting to know them and their unique stories where they think song in the 21st century is headed, and lots of other great topics. If you're looking for your next source of inspiration as you continue on your own musical journey as a song lover, look no further than Song Cycle with me, your host, Sam Martin. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation.